good. Alright. Um, hey, welcome back to Film Noobs. Uh, this week we have a writer, director, a winner of the 2017 uh, Best B Movie. We had to create a, a category just for his film. Um, and so let me bring it in real quick. Because <laughs> again, it, it, it was a really good movie and, and we just had to Justin, um, go ahead and introduce yourself for a little bit. Oh, well, my name is Justin Armeo. I'm from California. Uh, writer, director, sometimes actor, sometimes craft service, sometimes a lot of other things. Costume designer, special effects. Um, I've made three movies so far, Bloodsucker Jones. Bloodsucker Jones versus The Creeping Death, a sequel. And uh, our latest movie is called Xanadu Hellfire. Now... The one you won the best uh, B movie was Bloodsucker Jones versus The Creeping Death, and I didn't know, I didn't catch on to to the fact that it was a sequel to Afterwards, so now I have to go back and find the first one. Yeah, I'm about to put it on streaming, um, so I've I've I'm waiting for the closed captions to come back. So it's for rental right now in like a place called New Village Video, but that's uh-huh. and that's the only place that it's available at the moment. Um, an awesome B movie rental place, which is really cool. Nice, nice. Are you gonna put uh, DVD or, or Blu-ray? Yeah, it's it's already on Blu-ray. It was on DVD and the DVD sold out, um, but it's on Blu-ray now. So I got the Blu-ray. It's got a reversible cover and it's got tons of extras on it. Just like jam packed. Now, what about the uh, Creeping Death? That's on Blu-ray too. It's got the same reversible cover. Man. Um, tons of extras and we just, and then Xanadu Hellfire, it's same thing, reversible cover, tons of extras. Bro, you're on it, okay. man. Dang. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we try to put out stuff that we want to see, you know, we figure, you know, people, the people who buy Blu-rays are buying them for the extras and, you know, yeah. they're usually collectors. So we try to make it a good package. So. Now, again, like I said, we had to create, just for your movie, we had to create a category of best B-movie. No, we appreciate and, that. And now I, I was reading on some of your, your descriptions. It was like, it's just, your movies are a mashup of different films that you're kind of paying homage to, you know, sure. ripping a little bit here and there and so forth. Um, talk about some of that process or, or what's going on in your mind when you, you're like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to make a weird movie that, I know certain people are only going to watch. Yeah. I mean, our basic idea is always to make a movie that we want to see. And usually that means a lot of other people want to see it too, because, you know, we grew up watching lost boys and fright night yeah. and dawn of the dead and all that. So our influences are everything eighties, everything horror from the eighties, pretty much eighties, nineties. Um, and from, in comedies too, any kind of comedy from Billy Madison to Caddyshack, who knows? Yeah. I, I, I forget the references sometimes, how many there are. It's ridiculous. Uh, Star Wars. Definitely, definitely have a lot of Star Wars references. So, um, yeah, that's our, our idea. Is you just, when we don't, you know, there's the idea, like the Robert Rodriguez, the idea is, oh, if you have a school bus, write around a school bus, yeah. write what you have. But we kind of just write as if we had a million dollars and then we just figure out how to make it, which is really, really stupid. But yeah. It turns out pretty cool. People like it. So it's good. No, so far, I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed 
rewatching is because I had to go back. I mean, uh, when you won the the award, it was 2017, and you know, life happens, COVID right. happens, all that good stuff. So we're back in action. We're we're starting to get back into the swing of things. So I had to go back and rewatch it, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is so cheesy, so good, so freaking delicious. And I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's a crazy. Stop laughing, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, it's a crazy movie. That was our hardest movie to make. It was. Was it? Oh yeah, because we like two hundred and twenty-five people worked on that, and for an indie film, that's just that's a, a lot. Sh- shocking number. It's just um, crazy. So it was a zombie movie. So we had special effects, we had practical effects, we had visual effects. We had we shot in ten different cities, and you know our crew changed all the time. We had scheduling changes, and it was still awesome and super fun to make. But, you know, we made it over a long period of time, like over a year. So shooting in some big chunks and some smaller chunks. But it was it was hard for sure. So let's let's talk about some of those processes between because I know like the characters as far as like, you know, character design or even clothing design. Each one had a particular look um, and it, it carried out through the whole film. As far as also, like you said, practical effects throughout the whole um, throughout the whole film, I saw them. Um, so it wasn't cheap. So I know it wasn't cheap. Um, and like you said, over what you said, over two hundred people that you had to deal with. Yeah. So let's talk about some of those processes because as any filmmaker, I'm like you know, the cheaper, the better, the smaller the crew, the more manageable. That's what we always preach. Right. What the fuck got in your head? You're like. Uh, (laughs) we're stupid i don't know like we just uh um well we we shot a lot with in like so we had a lot of college students working on it and then you know certain days they couldn't work and sometimes they you know they told their friends about and they came to work so so there was days we had like like six sound people you know or you know like seven pas and things like that but then we had zombies too and we got a little overboard so we i mean we toned it down when we shot Xanadu Hellfire, we thought a little, it's still just as big a movie kind of, uh-huh. but, but we kept the crew and everything smaller. So only like a hundred people worked on that. Only just a hundred people. Just, just hundred, which is still a lot of people, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. It was fun. And we just kind of got out of hand. We just had a lot of big scenes because we had zombies and we had a whole entire roller derby team in Bloodsuck at Jones versus the Creeping Death. And um, huge crew and a huge bank cast and like 60 or 70 speaking parts. Yeah. So it was crazy. We probably wouldn't do that again. So we're, we're trying to, yeah. And that the, our first movie took 30 days to shoot. And that's a long time for an, in, for a low budget indie film. The second one took 25 days, but our last movie, we've got it down to 14 and a half days, but it's still oh, a big movie. It's post-apocalyptic with tons of effects and, um, we're just going in the right direction, I think. 14 days, you're still trucking, though. I mean, that's still a lot of days, but when you when you really think about it, and I know a lot of people say this, is like, oh, I shot it 25 days, 30 days. But you said, you know, that's 14 days combined, even though in total, you know, practical, you know, days, days in the calendar, it took you, you said, about a year, a little bit over a year. And I think that's what people don't realize the fact, oh, or, or I was going to ask you also, How'd you keep everything continuity? Before I forget, con- continuity-wise, how do you handle again 
one shooting over long periods of time and two having such a big cast and crew changing out it, it that's it's hard i mean we had luckily we always were able to keep usually the same makeup artists uh-huh and um you know but there there was times i mean there's a joke in the first movie where you know i have a guy who and there's a guy who's kind of like my sidekick played by travis woods and his you know, we just started to realize his hair was like three or four inches longer. Yeah. And we, we just threw in a line, you know, I'm like, you know, I said, Oh man, I'm really thirsty. Or, uh, we, we just made up this language. Yeah. This day's making my hair really long or something like that. Just, we just like played it off and turned a joke into it. So it's definitely hard to keep the continuity going. Um, especially cause I was handling all the, uh, clothes and you know all the wardrobe and all the props so yeah. it's tough usually and we don't shoot in sequence we usually we only we just shoot by location so it's tough it was a little easier this time on xanadu because we shot most of it consecutively we shot one day to do a teaser trailer for our indiegogo out in the desert and then we shot a few newscaster scenes so we shot like one and a half days and then we shot for like 12 days um over the course of like 13 or 14 days we shot 12 of those days with one or two days off and then we shot two two other pickup days so that was easy to keep in continuity because that was pretty tightly together most of it yeah even though all the costumes were crazy post-apocalyptic and you know multiple days we we there's one thing we do like to do sometimes we keep some of the characters in the same costume the entire time like Bloodsucker Jones, it makes it easy. He has the same costume. His sidekick, always the same costume. Things like that. My sidekick would often always wear the same costume. So we do that on purpose just so we didn't have to worry about it. Because definitely in the first one, there's a scene where I couldn't keep track of the shirts I was doing. So my shirt changed from one scene to another. And we had to shoot. We shot an extra scene where my sidekick where I'm acting like I'm freezing, my sidekick pulls a shirt out of his uh, out, out of his like pants or something and hands it to me because it's, it's the shirt that I'll be wearing in the scene we already shot that I totally screwed up on. So, but it turned into a really funny joke. So it it totally works out. Hey, uh, anything to work around having to do what we need to do. Yeah, and I, and I think it works because when when you look at story versus what you have on hand, you have to go with story and half the time we're not always going to be drinking the same water or drinking whatever, or this right. shirt gets lost. I know there was one where we were shooting one of our guys. Um, we're like, dude, you know, can you provide a shirt or provide several shirts that you want to wear or whatever? And he got, he brought one muscle shirt, uh, but then we didn't pick it up afterwards. So we washed it and clean it for him. He's like, no, 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 I'll do it. Um, the following weekend, maybe not even a full week, he had lost it. And we're like, dude, what'd you do with it? He's like, I don't know. But, uh, so we had to reshoot some stuff and kind of, like you said, fill in, make a filler scene that just, it didn't make sense, but we needed it to kind of say that he changed his shirt. And I'm like, right. I'm like, you just left the house in the movie, you left the house and you go to another place and you're new, sh like, ah. Uh. I did the same damn thing I did. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, we sometimes we'll keep the wardrobe of certain people. Yeah. Sometimes on this new movie, we had a lot of female warriors. 
So they, they just all kept track of their clothes and maybe they washed them themselves and just kept track. Luckily they didn't forget anything. Um, but some of the characters, I kept their clothes with me the entire time. Some of the, a lot of the people picked out their own wardrobe too. Uh, we let all the, all the kids and all the, the female warriors pick out their own costumes. So all of their costumes, they chose themselves with input for me, but we all agreed on everything. Now, as, as far as your budget, because again, you, you dealt with over 200 people and multiple days and everything. You, you said you had an Indiegogo. Um, how, how did you go about aside from Indiegogo and did you meet your, your, your fundraising goals and, and whatnot? We have never met our fundraising goal once, <laughs> not not even close, but we're getting better and we're raising more each time. But this last time we did two fundraisers, we only really raised like $12,000, but the movie cost over 40000 So I yeah. paid for the rest of it out of pocket from credit cards to like loans out of my 401k and things like oh. that. So yeah, all sorts of different ways. Um, I had a producing partner who gave her helped with some money and, you know, a lot of people work for free and, you know, 200 people, there's no way you can pay 200 people, but yeah. you know, the, the more movies we do, we're trying to pay, have a smaller cast and try to pay almost everyone that we can, except for like new students that they're getting their first, you know, credit. We might not pay them, but most people got paid. That's why our movie was so expensive this time. Yeah, I thought it was going to cost 30. And then when it passed 40, I just said, I don't, <laughs> don't even pay attention anymore. It'll just, it's just too painful. So I didn't even, I didn't care at that point. We were, we were just having too much fun. So I didn't worry about it. I, I trust me. I, I know what you mean. This last one, it was the same thing for us. I think we had a, a GoFundMe or I, well, I can't remember what it was, but anyways, I think we raised a total of like $500. I'm like, well, at least we got one meal. <laughs> right yeah exactly yes yeah oh, everything yeah. else i'll figure it out somehow or another i think i'm still paying some people i'm like ah jesus christ how the hell are we gonna do why do we do this to ourselves i don't know but i think I no you're idea. even crazier though yeah, i'm just plain stupid i don't know why so but it's fun you know it's like some people you know some some people their hobby is working on a mustang and it's in the driveway you know and they get to yeah. drive it around on weekends and fix it up this is exactly the same thing but just in a more epic, ridiculous way. So now I did see that on some of your cast members, you actually had some people that worked on actual, you know, bigger budget, you know, well distributed films. Yeah, we've had like a Jennifer Runyon who was in Ghostbusters and she was in Charles in Charge. And we've had like Alan Maxson who was in, who played a King Ghidorah in Godzilla King of the Monsters. And He's done some some uh, stuff at the Star Wars premiere and lots of indie films. Uh, Bloodsucker Jones, him and his wife, he was on. They were on Lifetime, eight, eight seasons of a show called Little Women L.A. Yeah, which is kind of like the Real Housewives for little people, and um, they did eight seasons of that. So yeah, we've attracted some cool people and um, some total unknowns. Sometimes it's just friends. Yeah, and if I get a good feeling about it, and sometimes it's you know we do tons of castings we like to use a lot of same people over and over again that's why there's some people in all three movies um i've been in all the movies because i don't have to pay myself and i know i'll be on time <laughs> and um, i don't have i can rely on myself so it makes it easy and it's fun i get to do something fun 
when there's a lot of work behind it. I know if I can act, I can relax for a minute. Someone else can direct and I can just make somebody laugh for a second. I'm like, okay, it was worth spending $5,000 today or something ridiculous. Oh my goodness. Now, how long does it take you normally to go? Because I know what well, you've done two movies for with Bloodsucker Jones, the writing process for those two movies and versus the new one, which was, I can't remember the name of it again. What was it? Xanadu Hellfire. There you go. So the first one, we I tried to make a, a feature a long time ago in 1999, but I got custody of my daughter unexpectedly in the middle of shooting and wasn't able to finish it. So, um, but during that time I had met, I was working with the guy, my friend Preston who played Bloodsucker Jones and I decided to write the first movie. So I wrote the first draft of it back in 1999, but it probably took many months and a year. And then I brought it back out in 2008 and probably took months, probably took like a year to develop. And then the second one, I probably wrote over a couple of years as I was finished filming the first one and over time. And then Xanadu Hellfire, I wrote really fast, probably within like a month or two. And, um, and then I've been getting like, uh, I went to Texas one time during a canceled, um, uh, convention I was going to and I couldn't like couldn't get a refund on my hotel so I just went to Texas yeah. and sat in a hotel and wrote a script in four days wow. uh, that I hope to make sometimes so I can write them fast or write them slow and um, but I have a lot of input from people I you know, people read it and this last one I wanted only I only had most of the uh, input was from girls so I wanted to have girls read it and see because it's a female protagonist yeah. and female hero and little kids that are both girls so I wanted to make sure I wasn't full of shit writing lines for girls. I want to make sure <laughs> girls would read it and go, that's stupid or that's cool or whatever. And they all responded to it. So now I got a question now that you brought that up with Bloodsucker Jones, you kind of told the line on certain jokes or certain, you know, kind of tropes and stereotypes that most people might like outside of like, oh, it's a funny movie kind of find offensive or be like, oh, dude, you're whatever. How do you write for that? Or, or even how do you deal afterwards when the movie's out? Um, you know, I don't, I think we've rarely had anybody complain or maybe once in a great while, someone might say something like if we had a girl in a bikini at a car wash or things like that, like, you know, um, yeah. re very randomly, but I think if it's funny, all is forgiven, you know, our stuff's not mega offensive or anything. And, it's all in good fun and good nature, you know, and our, you know, our movies have a wide variety, you know, you know, it's not just all my, my 20 white friends doing stuff, you know, it's like hey, we try to get everybody in there, you know, and have different characters, different nationalities, gay, straight, all sorts of people, anybody who wants to, that's good and can help out and, you know, just build a really cool movie around it. So, yeah, you know, if something's really, if, you know, there's, there might be something we wouldn't do again, maybe a certain word or here or there, we might not say, but you live and you learn and, you know, you know, it's our intents always nice and we're good people. So people have always been cool with it and people really like our movies and we're really shocked sometimes how much people like our movies, like put them in their top tens of the year and put them in their, there's people who said it's their favorite movie all the time. And I'm like, you're, have you seen, you know, haven't you seen like the lost plays or the Godfather or, you know, all these other things, but it's, it hit a nerve with a lot of people. So. 
That's good, man. That's good. Yeah. So now when we talk about like, following suit about how to deal with negative feedback or or those, you know, keyboard rangers that go in there like, oh dude, you know, the guy who played Bloodsucker Jones, uh, he's a horrible actor and or whatever, you know what I mean? Or horrible writing, stupid B movie, you know, where they spend their money. Cause I've I've had all those right, you know, comments left before yeah. online. I mean I I like to, I mean, I'm pretty confident that we made something good and I understand it's low budget and our budgets are getting bigger and our, our movies, you know, maybe shot on a red, you know, red dragon cameras and, you know, 4k, 5k, 6k, like it, they look amazing. They sound amazing, but you know, there's definitely, there's always going to be someone who hates it. And there, and a lot of time it's like people, oh, this movie sucks. I turned it off after 10 minutes and they have no, you know, they have no right to like review it after that you know it's just like if you if you watch it and you didn't have fun i i feel bad that you didn't enjoy the movie you know it's like they're only meant to have fun you know and the majority of people like it but yeah it's tough because i can't you can't sit there and go after everybody and go fuck you <laughs> you don't like my movie go fuck yourself or something yeah but it's like but you know some sometimes it's, if it's honest criticism and they're saying oh i really like this i really like that oh maybe this i didn't like that popcorn or it's just you know, you know, there's all we've had a lot of criticism, like, oh, there's no plot like in the first movie or yeah. like it's just it's just a bunch of, of vignettes like skit, skit, skits and stuff like that. I'm like, that's a legitimate like criticism. And I'm like, I don't care. This, it's funny. You know, it's like yeah. it, that's what we wanted to do. That's what we're going for anyway. So but we're getting but it made us better in telling stories. So we're better with story and story structure now. And hopefully we'll always make better movies smarter movies um still ridiculous but <laughs> yeah i just i just want people to give it a chance and i want people to you know it's hard when someone it's hard when you know it's always tough when 80 people love it but then one person just gives it one star and hates it and you just want to like what oh man why why did you give like <laughs> you i can't believe you hated me i'm like that much you know that's always a bummer but that's okay. You know, it's like, it's not for everybody too. So I, I totally get some people not liking it because, you know, they're crazy movies. So. Yeah. I think for me, the one that hit me the most, or one of the ones was Disney wrote like almost a dissertation on my film. And I was like, bro, it's, it's a low budget, dumb, stupid bunch of friends getting together movie. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you take it so serious? Why did you get so mad? Why, like, yeah, like, did what did I do to you? Please forgive me. You know, I'm right? Sorry. Yeah. And there's definitely oh, I've definitely had reviews where it's got to be someone I know that just hates me because they will <laughs> specifically single me out and mention my name and <laughs> tell me how much I fucked up or something. And that's always that's a bummer. So yeah, it's just like these movies. Just I mean, these movies are just like they're like puppies man they just want to be loved like just just relax and let them happen to you and just enjoy it like you know don't if you try to break it apart you know you're just, you'll you'll hate everything if you try to break it apart you know just enjoy it it's just it's meant to be dumb fun all of it you know it's just yeah. meant to be an escape you know i i like i like that analogy they're they're little puppies that want to be loved totally <laughs> i'm gonna make a t-shirt that says that so if you see us selling a t-shirt i'll send you royalties don't worry you know uh, so. no no keep the, keep the royalties and make a movie with it please 
<laughs> that's so crazy. I, I like that term. I'm going to yeah. have to write that. I'll go back and, and copy that. Yeah, but people are all ready to kick your puppy, which is a bummer. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you're, you're giving me material. I'm sorry, but <laughs> yeah. I'll steal it all. <laughs> no problem. Oh, my goodness. Now, with this new movie, you said um, it's pretty much a, a post-apocalyptic. Um, a little girl brings a comic book character to life, um, brings her from the future to the present. Um, let's talk a little bit about that one. So the character is Xanadu Hellfire. She's a post she's kind of like Red Sonia. Uh-huh. You know, just uh wears like tattered leather skirts and halter tops and carries a bow staff and knows martial arts and lives in a post-apocalyptic earth. And basically this girl Ruby, she's nine years old. She re- she she has the comic book of Xanadu Hellfire. In future films, we'll explain how she has a comic book of someone in the future, you know, why there is a comic book and stuff. But she, in the comic book, they explain how to do time travel. And she fig- she goes to this computer hacker, yeah, figures it out and can't believe it. And, you know, and brings her to the present just to hang out. And her evil sister and two goons follow along to bring her back. So it's just hijinks and Sue and fish out of water story. And she takes her to school. She takes her to her classroom, like her whatever grade, third grade class. Yeah. And, uh, you know, takes her to restaurants. Bloodsucker Jones is in it. In the in the movie, Bloodsucker Jones and the sidekick, they're retired and they own a, they own a, a restaurant called Sucka's Badass Burgers. So he's got his logo <laughs> and he's like the, you know, she's the hostess and he's the, the manager and, um, it's really stupid and you know, there's a little commercial in there for him. We got all these cool logos and props. And so we still got blood suck in there for our, for our blood sucker fans. And it, nice. it turned out, yeah, it's really stupid and crazy. And we shot in the desert and stayed out in the desert for many days. And it's, yeah, it's got some cool, really cool post-apocalyptic stuff, really cool special effects by our, you know, our, my friend Randy Van Dyke, who's also a director, who's our DP and does special effects and has a cameo and does, you know, as many, if not more things than anybody. And um, yeah, it turned out great. It's really, I m- m- want to make something geared toward, I was a single dad. So it's about a single dad and his daughter. So I wrote it and it's dedicated to my daughter. So I always want to make it something for a story about a single dad and something for little girls that would like that. But guys like it as much because these two girls cuss in the entire movie, like very creatively. They have filthy mouths and it's, pr- <laughs> it's pretty funny. And, you know, some people watch and go, who is this movie for? It's a, it should be a kid's movie, but then these kids are cussing the entire time. And I said, uh, you know, just it's for everybody. Just enjoy it. So nice. And you said for that one, um, it's already on streaming. I So it's just it just cleared the QC process. Uh uh-huh. For streaming so it, it probably within three or four weeks it'll start popping up one after another on 2b 2b plex apple tv cinegram or um gosh i can't even remember the list we just put out we just re-released blood like jones versus the creeping death on streaming and it's i can't even remember it's on a dozen places now i think so yeah. it'll be on yeah amazon i'm sure and uh, it'll probably start hitting in about three or four weeks, but it's available on Blu-ray on Etsy. If you just search Santa do Hellfire, 
Yeah. Um, and we're putting it'll be on Amazon on Blu-ray soon. We're just trying to fix a technical thing with our QR with our QR code that's holding it up. But Bloodsucker Jones and Bloodsucker Jones versus Creeping Death, the Blu-rays are both on Amazon. And we do conventions too. Now let's talk about a little bit of that because I, I like when I like the world building, because now it's like, wow, that's pretty cool that you're actually incorporating all your films one way or another. Yeah. Um, as far as marketing, again, indie, low-budget guy, marketing, future planning, and kind of setting yourself up for success with your films. Because, again, you are an indie guy. You have to kind of figure out, one, how to make money to where you're not totally breaking yourself and to right. get the movie out there to where enough people see it to where you're just not making it again for yourself, even though you right. are, but you need an audience. Yeah. We know we're slowly, the biggest thing that's helped us has been conventions. Um, so we go to conventions, we get a table, we sell it. We have t-shirts, we have enamel pins, we have the Blu-rays and we're able to, you know, doing so many, I've gotten really good at talking people into buying this crazy movie that they've never heard of. And we sell it for really cheap. I only sell it for 10 bucks. Okay. And I, and I give a guarantee. I tell them if you don't like it, I'll give you 15 bucks back. If you hate it, I'll give you 20 bucks. Wow. So people really, that goes to heart to them and they, people buy it like crazy, which is really cool. And then people slowly have, they remember it and they email me, they become, they get on our Instagram, they become fans and friends and yeah. they're really dedicated we have a dedicated group of fans and then then people run across it on amazon you know they see our instagram um they might see your podcast we've done podcasts they might see an article on a horror website and we're just out there trying to yeah trying to spread the word any way you can and slowly try to creep back some of the money you know yeah now, do you use a publicist or do you do this pretty much hit the ground running on your own? Like what, what's some of the process for that? I do it on my own. Um, I might use a publicist for this one. One Xanadu is in uh, just to try it out. One Xanadu is fully on streaming. Um, we might try a publicist, but it's mostly me on, you know, Facebook and uh, Instagram, Twitter, um, just trying to get it out there. And then we're connected to a lot of people who promote it and are actors. And, and I act on, we have a lot of, we have so many friends that are actors and directors and producers. And we have this really big community, really tight knit community here where we're at in Southern California. And, you know, some of them are working full time in the, uh, in the entertainment business and making movies. And some have full-time jobs like I do. And, you know, we just spread the word and I act in a movie and then their fans see me and they hear about our movie and they promote ours. We promote theirs. We act in each other's. It's all cross contaminated, crazy <laughs> mess now. So that's awesome. Yeah, because, again, going back to the fact that most indie guys and, and I put myself in this predicament, don't really think about future planning. Um, once you get shot the film and everything, you're like, OK, cool. What are you going to do with it next? Most of us are going to give you the answer. Well, either Amazon or YouTube. And that's that's about the extent of our future planning. Um, and, that, and that's why I kind of asked you, because this is your third film. And again, like I said, you, you know, you, you mentioned several things that, you know, you got it on streaming services and so forth. And one of the biggest things is, well, did you have a publicist? 
what was your process. That way, maybe it could help somebody else that's not quite thinking about it, especially as an independent guy. Yeah, I mean, you just try, you try many things and see, you know, you can do Facebook ads, you could do Instagram ads, you can target those ads and things. Yes, you can use a publicist, you can yeah go to conventions, like I said, and just spread the word. You can get email lists and, um, you know, all sorts of ways to do it. Just, you just It's just like a grind. You got to just slowly build, you know, one person, one fan at a time that'll stick with you. And then now we have fans that'll always jump on our Indiegogo. That will always buy whatever we have. That'll always pick up a t-shirt or a, a, a pin or something. You know, we have more merchandise now and yeah, we're spreading out into like, you know, we have multiple enamel pins and multiple t-shirts and, um, we had a steel book for a little while that sold out and we still have a few left and things like that. We're just trying to spread the word and it's and exhausting. How, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. How, how did you do some of the merch? Like how was it all you, did you go third party or? Yeah. So like our t-shirts, we, so at our very first convention, we met um, these two, totally amazing people are some of my super best friends now. Um, and their, uh, their name is Zach and Erica Kaufman and they own a place called atomic cotton. So if you go to atomiccotton.com, they have tons of really cool, um, horror shirts yeah. that are, that are designed by other artists and designed by Erica and they print them themselves. It's full screen printing on quality shirts and they printed, um, both of our shirts before we met them, we had, you know, some other company print our first blood like a Jones shirt and, but they do yeah really cool work. So that, and they're, they love indie people and they love, uh, so we became such good friends. Erica's she helped me with the script on Xanadu Hellfire. And then she said, Hey, I want to play this part in the movie. I'm like, all right. And then, uh, she came out and she came from Kansas city and she did it. And she was incredible. And like one of people's favorite characters in the movie, and Zach came out and he was in the movie. So it's, it's all become, we've made so many friends and that's like, I don't even care about the money. If I make money, great, but I've made so many friends. I'm so rich with friends. Like I'm set for life. So that's cool with me. You can't beat that. Honestly, especially like you said earlier, when you're building a community um, of people that one is going to support you by one, buying your merch, but keep, watching your stuff and keep helping you spread that word of your films you know so i think that's 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 brilliant to think about it in that perspective rather than i'm building a community of people who are always going to buy my stuff and eat up my stuff and and just consume my stuff yeah yeah we 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 don't make we always say we don't really make fans we make friends you know so our fans and friends, they've made it into our movie. They, we see them all the time and they spread the word. And yeah, they're, it's great. Awesome. Now, what about the festival run as far as like film festivals? How, how have you like dealt with that or, or have you continued that? Yeah, we've, so all three movies have been in film festivals. All three movies have won multiple awards in film festivals, including yours. And we, yeah, we just got back from in January. We're in the Austin revolution film festival Alan Maxson won Best Actor um, for Xanadu Hellfire, and we won 
like I think four other awards, a best ensemble film, maybe a best feature and audience award, I think. And yeah, we, we were still in the running for a few festivals. Some of them were postponed. So, you know, usually when you put out your movie on Blu-ray and streaming, you're disqualified from festivals, but we couldn't wait any longer and those got postponed. So we'll cross our fingers. Maybe we'll get into a couple more. Um, you know, we never always, you know, we're, we always try for the big ones or we try like hell to get into panic fest and, um, fantastic fest. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll just keep trying. We'll just, you know, until they let us in, we'll keep knocking on the door and, you know, we'll keep spreading the word until they have no choice. And, um, but it, you know, the festivals we get into, the people are so cool and so nice and people who run festivals work so damn hard and, you know, they're always super welcoming to us. And so the small festivals and medium sized festivals treat us so well. So it's always fun to do festivals. That's awesome. Now I, I got a question on something that you just said right now. Um, basically about, and, and I, if it's happened to me before about the Blu-ray or releasing your film in either streaming or physical media. And while you're trying to do the film festival run, how did you, or how do you make that decision and say, you know what, it, it's time for me to stop spending money on festivals even though they are helping me spread the word and kind of get my movie out there because I need to recoup some of that fundage because at the end of the day, we, the economics have to be there somewhere. Right. Yeah. And it gets to a point like usually when you do, you submit to film festivals, you, you submit to the biggest ones first because a lot of them require you to be maybe exclusive, yeah. a world premiere or maybe, or maybe, maybe just an exclusive to their state or something like that. So you start with those and then you submit to, but it all depends what film festivals you're doing because they, they're, it's not like all the, all the big ones are at a specific time and all the others are at a different time. So we usually start with a few of the big ones and then that's when we usually start. Depends when we, we have the movie finished, but we start and we just submit to, to all of them within a few month period. And then we have an idea of when they're going to end and then we plan for that. So we plan to put it out as, they're almost going to end by the time we're going to be notified of festivals, basically. So we knew we were going to put it out probably by April when most of them would have notified by now we would have known if we would have gotten into them or not, but it's definitely a decision. So um, we definitely put out maybe a little sooner because we just thought we just need to get it out there. Cause one of the things was people were starting to, one of the bad things about, you know, like film freeway and things like that, there's a lot of dishonest, festivals in foreign countries and other places that just torrent your movie. They take your movie, boom. So our movie, I have to have had to take it down off of YouTube. And it's, it's so sad when you see this, it's just brutal. So that's another thing sped, totally sped up our uh, sh putting it out on streaming. Cause we, we definitely, I mean, we released the Blu-ray on April 1st, I think, but we might not have been doing streaming till J June, but we just had to get it out cause they were, People were tor tor torrenting it, so yeah, that's rough. Yeah, Still it is. Yeah, man, I hadn't I I hadn't run into a case like that until now, and that's that's interesting because I I never thought about it either. On because a lot of us actually do submit to overseas a lot, um, because they're one they're cheaper and two the more, the likelihood of you getting into those. Yeah, 
giving you that that clout of hey yes we went into a film festival we got an award and we continued now that brings up another question um as far as an indie filmmaker awards versus getting it out there on streaming where do you where do you hold the more weight as a filmmaker like hey i am a filmmaker here's my film it's actually in streaming services or hey i'm a filmmaker i got awards but it's not on streaming services oh definitely streaming so definitely being out because if people can see it that's the big thing the awards it's cool to have the awards and the awards just go hand in hand with trying to maybe sell it and maybe for people taking a chance if you say hey i won 10 different awards they might give it a chance also when you like on film hub you know when you submit through something like film hub you you can sell it through film hub you you do a little pitch and you can list every award you have and every film festival you're in and every little bit helps and the more awards you get helps legitimize the quality of your film and might get it onto a few more streaming services so it helps you know and it's always nice to win an award always nice to hang it on your wall always nice for the cast the thing I like most about the awards is sometimes our cast might win something or maybe our effects guy or this person or that person. And it's always cool when someone that, you know, doesn't always get acknowledged wins something and our cast or our cast see the movie as a whole won something it's motivating to them that they spent their time, you know, getting paid little money and they got something that was, you know, that people liked, which is cool. I like that. I, because again, I didn't think about it in that perspective, but it makes sense when you could turn around and be like, hey, look, guys, I, I can only pay you below minimum. I can't even pay you spec. Uh, but guess what? I'm going to do everything in my power to put in film festivals. So maybe y'all could get something a little bit more tangible. Um, so I, I really like that mentality. That that makes a lot of sense because I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, we figured, you know, we we always guarantee that we're going to make a good movie cross our fingers, you know, that we took the time to develop the script and then we're going to put a lot of effort into it and a lot, you know, every penny we possibly can. And that's why I try to pitch at people. I said, cause actors they'll, they'll do a lot of movies and you see the movies that actors do in India, you know, and I've been in a lot, a lot of movies and a lot of different things. And it's hard to even be in a good movie or a mediocre movie sometimes, you know, and I've been lucky to be in a, a lot of really good movies, but when I, I audition people, they've been in a lot of really rough and not great movies. And like uh, the thing I can promise actors is just that we're at least going to try our best to make the absolute best movie and put every penny on the screen and make them look good and make them funny. And we are very inclusive. Like if the craft service guy comes up with a good joke, that joke's going in the movie as long as we can do it. And that person will be totally invested like I worked on a short, my friend short film one time and I, I brought up an idea. I didn't know if it was proper, if I should, but I have a funny idea and he let me do it. And when I saw it in the theater, it got a laugh and I was totally electrified. And I was like, holy shit. I'm like twice as invested in this movie now because they cared enough to listen to me and take my idea. So we have so many ideas from so many people in these movies and the actors come up, you know, a good actor will always come up with something cool and something better. Sometimes actors play the role perfectly, exactly how you want it. And that's a dream. And then some person does something totally different. You never expected that's even better. And that's always amazing. Yeah. I've, I've had those instances where I'll write a certain character a certain way. And I have it in my head that 
you know, Inspector Jones is ABC because that's that's his. He has a certain quirk that I want to see on screen, but then the the person I cast for it totally off plays him. And I'm like, wow, dude, the best freaking Inspector Jones ever. This is right? so badass. You know, those little happy little accidents, you know? Yeah. I learned my, like, it, I had a lucky thing happen to me kind of when we auditioned, we did the auditions for our first Blood Sucker Jones movie. The very first person that came to um, come in audition was the girl who wound up playing my girlfriend. Her name's Jessica Dirks. Uh-huh. Really amazing actress. And I always imagined the girl playing my girlfriend was this brown haired, brown eyed girl next door. But I, I opened the audition to anybody necessarily. And she was beautiful and really cool. But she she kind of looked like a Russian model in her pictures. I'm like She just doesn't fit. So I thought she would play maybe the evil vampire in it. But we did the audition and she was incredible. And like my friends rushed over, my friend Andy and Preston, I think, rushed over to me and said, just whisper in my ear that first audition goes, that's the girl. She'll make your acting better. <laughs> and and uh, that's the one, like, don't even think about anybody else. That's the girl. And that was the girl for sure. And that's happened many times. Like, yeah, yeah. I think, oh, this should be a, this should be played by a short black dude or something. And then, yeah. oh, oh, there's a six foot tall Hispanic guy who just blew me away. There's no way I'm not going to use that guy. It just, you never know what you're going to get. And, oh girls playing boys parts that I originally written for a guy, maybe all sorts of things can happen. Just want the best people. I I think the only time I didn't let somebody who auditioned, I was auditioning for a Cholo. Um, and of course, Cholo has to be Mexican. Yeah. Right. Ghetto and all that good stuff, whatever you, however you identify Cholo anyways. So this, this gentleman comes in and he's like, bro, I have an idea. I'm like, okay, cool. Go, go for it. And he started speaking like Tony Montana. I'm like, stop. I'm like, first of all, the movie is in San Antonio. It's it's Mexicans and it's low rider guys. I need you to be a Mexican cholo. No, but I'm like, stop the Cuban accent. Thank you for your time. Oh, and he got mad and he left. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, no, I actually need somebody who's going to portray this character a certain way and I'll give him the, the the leeway but yeah i was like i don't need a cuban you know cocaine dealer <laughs> in my movie at least not for this one right not for that particular one yeah, yeah. so yeah, we, go ahead oh yeah we do we do some things sometimes that we'll, we'll like there'll be an asian character and we'll specifically give him a, a hispanic name like carlos we do things like that just for fun just to mix everything up in a crazy way just just to totally throw people off, we'll, we'll, we'll name them something that not the typical name, you know? Yeah. yeah. Now, as far as your, your, your auditioning process goes, how is that done? So either, either I wrote it specifically for somebody or I, I know somebody, or I've seen, let's say I've seen someone in one of my friends' movies, but I have a bunch of friends that are really good directors and writers and make really cool movies. And I was on a movie this weekend, was talking to this, girl that uh i had acted in in another movie and she was so cool and she i just i said and i thought wow she'd fit this part perfectly and i just say you want to have you want this part and just hired her right on the spot pretty much and then other times we go through a couple casting sites a long time ago we might have used craigslist or something but we use like Backpage and la casting and then people we attach the sides people send in tapes 
um, cause we're doing an anthology now and I'm, I'm helping my friends cast theirs too, as well as mine. And yeah, we send in tapes and then we just narrow it down from there and try to find the best person. We also try to find the person we want to hang out with the most yeah. too. And the person that seemed the coolest and, um, yeah, cause we, we don't want anybody who's going to be a problem or have any issues. So that's hard. We're always, especially if it's a big part, we're so worried about hiring someone's going to be a, um, just an asshole or just not cool. And we never want that to happen. So we're super careful when we're casting. So that's why we use a lot of the same people over and over and over again. Cause we just, we know what we can rely on them. We know they'll be good. We know people love them in other movies. So, but then every time, every movie, we'd love meeting new people and casting new people. So yeah, we just narrow it down through tapes and then we might have them audition again. We might give them notes and have them re-audition. And, but it's almost always like this. It, no matter if there's 50 people to submit or 100, there's almost always just one person that's just so much better than everybody else. Almost every single time. And it's, yes. it's, it's, it makes it easy. Rarely there's like, oh my God, there's 10 people I can't choose. Never. That's never the case. Now, how do you deal with it? Because you're in California, right? Yeah. So a lot of people in California pretty much go through um, uh, get agents and then they become part of the guild and so forth because over there um, versus Texas, we're uh, a non-union state versus California who has a very strong guild association. Um, how does that kind of play into in the in the films? Yeah, I mean, they're all they're. The first Bloodsucker Jones was non-union. The second was union on a low-budget agreement. So we had union people and we paid them, you know, because a lot of our actors, they're so good. They turned union by the time the second one came out. I mean, I was in the union a long time ago because I did extra work and I was in like 300 movies and TV shows yeah. um, and did it for like three or four years full time. And, um, but we, it was really hard to deal with SAG. It's even the low-budget agreement is very expensive and it's really hard to make money in those deals. So this one, we only use non-union people. Some people are union. They'll be in your movie anyway, and they don't tell you they're union. They'll just do it. So how do you deal with that? Um, that's there, you know, there's a fine, right? That's I, I don't think the union really cares that much about little indie movies like that. And if, if it's, it's up to them to tell me that they're in the union or something. So, you know, if they don't tell me, um, what am I supposed to do? So they, maybe they would get fine, but I, they're not really looking at little indie films. They're really trying to look at big, you know, like Saban, like the power Rangers guy doing non-union trying to rip people off and things like that. But yeah. us, we're just trying to make a movie, you know, so. Cool. So at, at the end of the day, would you say with, with the two, um, Bloodsucker Jones that you have and then Zandu Hellfire now, where do you see your company or, or your production team going with the next couple of films? Cause you said this is not the last Zandu film, but it's just the first of several, right? Hopefully. I mean, we're writing a sequel right now. It's called witches of the wasteland. Um, we have a sequel to blood. So we were going to do two more sequels to blood Sucker Jones, but it's just, people are getting older, they're moving away and they don't live in the same state. So we're going to maybe do one last, we combine the two scripts for three and four into one last epic 
finale for Bloodsucker Jones. So it's called Bloodsucker Jones and the Princess of Darkness. And but right now, and then I have a couple other scripts, a couple horror scripts that I want to do. And we have a roller skating comedy we want to do. But right now we wanted to do something with all of our friends because we, we have all these director friends um, that have made movies. So combined, we've all we've all made we've made 12 movies, 12 features. Wow. And um, this will be our figure for our 13th movie, you know, all together. I've directed three. My most of my friends have directed two or three that we're going to do a horror comedy anthology because anthologies are pretty popular. Yeah. Um, and but this one, instead of being straight horror, it's going to be a horror comedy. It's very R-rated, very bloody. Um, and we just shot the first segment last weekend. Uh, my friend Alan and his brother, Alan Max and his brother Jason, shot a short called Coyote out in Topanga Canyon. And then, yeah, right now we're just we're just casting and revising scripts, and everyone's giving each other notes. And you know, we never made an anthology more before and it's crazy because people are working on other films and we're just trying to squeeze this one in here and what, what locations do we have and how much money do we have and this and that. So it's called party of darkness. Oh, I like and, that. Yeah. It's about, it's about five friends who get together, you know, like friends do and watch horror movies and they go to a cabin and they're watching like the horror, like a shutter, like a horror channel and streaming and the satellite goes out right in the middle of their, like eighties B movie. They're right. They're watching a movie called booty town bloodbath, super, <laughs> super gory, super R rated movie. And it gets cut off right in the middle of a big kill. And so they have to, they decide that they're each going to tell a story to entertain themselves. So each story they tell will be a segment of the movie. And then there's the wraparound and within the wraparound, that's a story in its own. And it goes completely off the rails and it's, supernatural and crazy and yeah there's going to be werewolves and um coyotes and serial killers and all sorts of crazy things well when you get ready whether you go to film festivals or or what let me know <laughs> we could come back and talk about it For I don't sure. if we get a whole group of y'all to come and and just have fun and, and discuss the movie because yeah. it sounds like a freaking blast and one i love horror b movies because that like like yourself i grew up in that generation where everything yeah. was b movies it was stupid it was funny it was gory it was bloody you know growing up as a kid that's the way i first got to see boobs you know right yeah <laughs> that that was that was movies back then and they were so awesome so great now you're like ah jump scares and eh, okay whatever yeah let me see my old flicks you know because i i love that generation of films but yeah whenever y'all get ready man let me know i'd love to have y'all back so we could talk about that stuff oh yeah we love that we got so many people there's i don't know how many directors we have like eight directors some wow. are direct, some are some are teams yeah. some are some are by themselves um so and yeah it's it's definitely a logistical issue trying to get it all together but we're finally starting to crank it out so well, not just logistical i think also creatively i mean you're talking about eight different like directors you know what i mean that that's that's a feat in itself that we could just probably have a whole segment to talk about oh yeah to deal with that you know what i mean it's interesting and in how they tie into the because some of it's interactive and sometimes you know there's some neat sections in the movie where i'm telling the story and people don't like it so i stop my story and maybe the story changes 
because of what the people in the group are selling, saying, yeah, hey, your story sucks. It's not even scary. So I started telling a different story. Nice. So we were trying to experiment and do some cool, really cool different things with it. Well, we're definitely going to have to talk about it um, and bring y'all back for that one. And also yeah. once you get ready with Xanadu, because like you said, um, at the end of the month, maybe you'll have it yeah. out of streaming services. Don't... Yeah, it should start hitting by the end of the month and then, and then it'll slowly, you know, they kind of pop off one and every week there's like a new one. So over the next, I'd say couple months, it'll finally be on about a dozen places, I would imagine. That's cool, man. So uh, again, I'm, I'm trying to wrap everything up because um, I don't want to take up your time. I know time is precious for everybody, um, but I do appreciate you being on the podcast with us. And thank um, you, man. I appreciate it. For everybody that 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 kind of didn't understand what we were talking about, um, writer director of film. Uh, I'm, I'm like I'm thinking of all these other, sure. Bloodsucker Jones um, versus the Creeping Death. That's the sequel to Bloodsucker Jones. Yep. Um, your new uh, film, uh, Zandu Hellfire. Um, all of which you can find DVD uh, and Blu-rays. Um, where where can we find all uh, this? Bloodsucker Jones and Bloodsucker Jones versus the Creeping Death are on Amazon, the Blu-ray. Um, Xanadu will be on Amazon soon, but for now you can get Amazon and you can get the T-shirt. We have a T-shirt. T-shirts too. Hey, um, show them off. Yeah, so we got T-shirts and uh, uh, those are on Etsy. So if you just go to Etsy, type in Xanadu Hellfire, it'll pop up. Or you can go to our Instagram. We have Instagram Xanadu Hellfire, Instagram Bloodsucker Jones. And my Instagram is Justin Armeo, J-U-S-T-I-N-A-R-M-A-O. And we have Party of Darkness Movie is our other Instagram. So, so many places to find us. And there's links in the bios to those places. And, yeah. Is there a main website where we could find you? Uh, no, just our Instagrams. And you, we have a Facebook page too, but mostly our Instagrams you, you can find it. And, um, you know, you can watch Bloodsucker Jones versus the Creeping Death on Tubi right now for free. Cool, yeah. Cause like I said, I had to rewatch it, so I was like, I was trying to figure out where, because I know on Film Freeway we only have so many days after right. the, the festival closes, and then after that we're not allowed to watch y'all's movies anymore. Yeah, yeah. For the fact that it's we're not we're only borrowing time um, right. on the festival, you know what I mean? Um, but bro, thank you for being on the podcast again. Thank um, you. Justin, thank you. I, I really appreciate your time. Um, I love the film. I, I oh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, so I, I'm going to have to go back now and watch the first Bloodsucker Jones, and I'm looking forward towards, you know, Xanadu, Hellfire. Um, I'm reading it, making sure I get the titles correctly. That way, when people hear this, they'll, they'll know exactly what to look for. Um, and I, I look forward to bringing you back for your your other project, the, the anthology project. That sounds sure. so exciting because it's... it's that's gonna that'll, thank you it'll be cool for for sure yeah well thank you man i love your podcast i just i watched uh, an episode of your podcast yesterday oh thank you yeah. and hopefully we could continue this this crazy madness of film and and just i guess build on your your community because that that's badass i love that yeah i hope so yeah for sure thanks man i appreciate it all right and for those of you listening at home or watching on youtube whichever you want uh, I, I don't know um, please uh, make sure you, you follow those links. If you do watch this film, hit the review button, leave them a good review, um, hit the like, um, help out the metadata. Again, for independent filmmakers, 
the matter that it helps. Uh, it gets our word out. It gets our films out. It gets us a little change back in our, our pockets to be able to continue making these films because they're not cheap, guys. Um, but at the end of the day, help support indie filmmaker. Keep watching films. Till next time, guys. See you. Bye. Bye.